Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, what a privilege and honor it is for Helen and I to both be here uh, today. Nearly exactly uh, 29 years ago, we first met Johnny Stevens. Um, we were, maybe you've been in this situation of looking for a local church, and uh, we attended a service at Watford Girls Grammar School. Uh, the service was okay, but what was amazing was actually the worship leading. We really felt something was going on there, which was really wonderful. And then uh, as we were leaving, out from the entrance of the hall there, uh, Johnny Stevens bounded. And uh, he said, guys, it was great to see you. Uh, what are you doing for lunch? Do you want to come for lunch? Let's actually get to know each other. And uh, I want to say thank you to Johnny for your friendship over all those years and for welcoming us into a church that we ended up leading for 25 years. So who knows if that conversation, you could have saved us a lot of heartache. No, no. Um, we are uh, really glad um, to be able to be here with you this morning. We've recently handed over the leadership of Wellspring Church, which is based down in the town centre behind Watford Museum, and handed over to the next generation of leadership. And uh, we're really excited to see what God's doing uh, in that time. Now, uh, before we get into Open God's Word, I just want to say it's great to be back preaching at Soul Survivor. Um, the, it wasn't that long ago. In fact, it was in the spring of 1997 uh, I was asked to, to preach for Soul Survivor. And I was told after it that it was really amazing. Oh, it was so amazing. The message you gave was so great. We must get you back sometime soon. 26 years later, <laughs> uh, here we are. So thanks for the invitation back. Um, I'm trusting, bless you, I'm trusting that actually today uh, God's going to speak to us uh, through his word and to be uh, able to be part of that is a real privilege. Uh, the, it's been my privilege now we've handed over the leadership of Wellspring. Uh, the focus of my ministry efforts is working for the great One YMCA. And uh, we are really seeing God do some amazing things, both locally, but also internationally, as God seems to be restoring the Christian roots of the YMCA Federation in 121 different countries. You may have noticed, if you're local to Watford, you may have seen on the, top of the, on the front of the skyline uh, something like this. Let's zoom into the next picture. It's a better picture. Um, uh, this is one of our 70 locations in one YMCA. And on top of Charter House, uh, there is now the, what is the brightest and most colorful shape uh, on the Watford skyline. This, for me, is a prophetic sign of what God is doing and wants to do, not just through local churches, but actually through churches and Christian agencies, is to, to symbolically and confidently declare the, the, the fact that Jesus is the light in the darkness. He is the light in the darkness. And through what Jesus accomplished, we can now enter into an eternal relationship with the God who created us. And if you're here today and you're just checking church out, maybe you've not made a firm commitment to follow Christ, I would simply tell you that you can, now that you've come to church and if you're considering Jesus, you don't need to look any further other than the, the light that shines from the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm from a more um, kind of Pentecostally background, and uh, this is, I just want to help you here. The more times I hear amen, the faster I will go. And the sooner we can all have our lunch. Is that all right? So that's a, that's, it's like an accelerator pedal. It's like, Tim, get to the point. If, you, if that's what you're thinking, then just say, amen. And, uh, and we'll be fine. <laughs> okay, it's good. Um, 
uh, as with most of what you hear from a platform like this or over a microphone or online, uh, it's really important you do two things with any message, that you pray into it and you weigh it up. That's a good practice anyway. Don't take everything that is said just verbatim. Actually, pray into it and weigh it up. And I'd say that particularly today because the message I have for you, I feel is a prophetic, significant, it's like a now message for you as a church family. And I thank Johnny and the rest of the team for giving me the freedom uh, to share this message. It's important that you pray into it and that you weigh it up. I'd also say by the time we finish today, for at least one person here, you're going to remember this message as a turning point in your walk with God. Something is going to shift in you today by the preaching of the word, not through what I say, but through what God says in his word, that I believe is going to unblock something for you that will never be blocked again. Amen? I've got faith for that today. Now, I've been wrestling with this word over the last few months, a couple of months maybe, and uh, I found myself really getting annoyed in traffic. Has anyone noticed how annoying the traffic is these days? It was so much better during covid you could get where you wanted. Now everyone else is out of their house. And uh, I got really annoyed the other day, trying to get back from the gym. I, was trying, I had a meeting to get to, and uh, I'm really annoyed on my road in North Bushy, where we live. I'm getting really annoyed at, at all the traffic. And it's like, what's causing all this traffic? I need to get, I've got, I've got a life. I need to get where I need to get to. And I realize it's the rubbish lorry. And the rubbish lorry is picking up the rubbish from our house. How annoying. Around the same kind of time, there's a three-way traffic light at the end of our road that seems to take 10 minutes to go through the cycle. So why are they doing this? Don't they realize I've got somewhere I need to get to? And then I realize that they are, they're kind of connecting fiber broadband to our house. Really annoying. I want to talk today, and these are the two images I want you to have in mind, is just how frustrating it is when you know you want to get somewhere, but there's a blockage in the way. When there's the blockage, as this was uh, a few weeks ago, you know, when the storm was there trying to go down a country lane, you know, the, the rat runs that you think no one else knows, and you find there's a long tail of traffic, and you can't really do a turn because the road's too narrow, getting really annoyed at this. And then you see some men in the road in bright kind of, you know, jackets, in high-vis jackets, and you realize they're clearing something like this. They're clearing something like a tree that has fallen across the road. And they're in, their, they're in the rain, and they're in their chainsaws, and they're cutting up to make it possible for me to get to where I need to get to. You see, that sometimes things happen in our life, and they're like these fallen trees, and they need to be cleared out of the way. Or similarly, if you're familiar with local streets, there's a, a road called Water Lane that gets its name for a reason. Anyone ever got stuck in Water Lane? Down there a few weeks ago, and I want to get to where I want to get to. It's only a, a, a kilometer, but it's taking forever because there's people who've got things and they're clearing out the drain. They're pulling out all sorts of things. It looks like socks and, and wet wipes and and crisp packets out of the drain because the drain, the road has been flooded and it needs to be cleared. And I want to talk to you today about the opportunity, the invitation from the Lord for you and I personally, but for you corporately as a church family to have an unhindered route to the Lord. So actually for your relationship with the Lord to be unhindered. 
or I'd even say to be unhindered again. And I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes. This idea of being unhindered is something that goes all the way through the Scriptures. We're going to start in Hebrews, then we're going to go via Proverbs and Isaiah back to the same passage in Hebrews. Is that all right? So firstly, I want to talk about the key verse for today is from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is more like a sermon than just a letter. We don't know who wrote it, but we know that it was written to those that were in danger of allowing things to clutter their relationship with God. And in verse 12, he says this, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Hebrews 12, 13 says, Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Here he's talking about those who are spiritually lame, those who are spiritually unable to make progress. He says that there's something you need to do. Make level paths for your feet. This idea actually pick up some ancient words from Solomon. King Solomon wrote uh, the first nine chapters at least of Proverbs, and he wrote them as teachings for his children, for his sons. Because he had made so many mistakes in his life, by the time he had his own progeny, he wanted to share with them what he'd learned. God inspired his wisdom as the wisest of all men at the time. And he says this in Proverbs 4, 10 to 12. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. You see, Solomon's desire is if we walk in the way of wisdom, our way, our, our path will be unhindered. Are you with me so far? Are we all right? So take this idea further, and just a few verses later, in verse 23, this is, what, this is what wisdom is to the young. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Here, Solomon is saying, please, keep, make a level path for your feet and fix your eyes and go unhindered in the direction of wisdom. That's the whole message of Proverbs, is to go the way of wisdom, to ignore the voice of folly on the corner of the market street saying, come over here, but actually to ignore those voices and to listen to the voice of wisdom and to go that way. That's the word of the Lord. This idea is kind of picked up by the prophet Isaiah. You remember the story, the people of Israel, the people of God, they were sent away from the holy city of Jerusalem. They were sent physically away as a punishment. They were banished and sent into exile in order that they might learn to once again turn their hearts back to God and that they might repent. And so they were sent away into exile and they got into all sorts of trouble. Some of the same trouble that they got into when they were in Jerusalem. And that was that they were making idols for themselves. Literally, they were, take, they were cutting down trees. And then from the trees, they would sit down having done their day's work. And the woodcarver picks up a piece of the, the tree and he starts cutting it and puts a face on it with some eyes. And he puts some ears. And then ludicrously, he takes the idol that he's made and he puts it, if you like, on the mantelpiece in front of him and then bows down to it. Oh, Isaiah, it breaks Isaiah's heart. 
that they do this because they begin to worship the things that they've made with their own hands, the idols. And Isaiah points out, says, you know, they can't hear you. You've put ears on them, but they can't hear you. You've put eyes on them, but they cannot see you. You're ignoring the living God who's right there saying, come, come to me. People of God, come to me, Israel, my children. And instead of coming to me, you're actually, your way is cluttered with these idols. And in Isaiah 40, this is part of Isaiah's prophecy. He says, a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Clear the way for the coming of the Messiah. We all know who fulfills that prophecy, right? All through the Gospels, it says, and here came John the Baptist, you know, the locusts and honey, hairy man. He came in the desert, in the wilderness, saying, prepare the way for the Lord. Sort your path out. Clear the way that the Messiah may come. And then when Jesus comes on the horizon, he says, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The message there was clear the way. The response he expected was that people would repent and pray. And actually in that, to be baptized. And we saw, we see in the Gospels him physically baptizing them personally, one by one, cleansing them in preparation for the coming of the Lord Jesus. This idea goes from being a personal challenge to being a corporate one. Uh, The message today is both personal and corporate. Personally, I sense the Lord saying, come, there's an unhindered way for you. Clear the way. Kick aside the rubbish. I want you to be closer to me and I want to be closer to you. But there's also a corporate thing here because this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 57 from verse 14. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also, and this is amazing, with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse them forever, nor will I always be angry, for then they would faint away because of me, the very people I've created. I was enraged by their sinful greed. I punished them and hid my face in anger, yet they kept on in their willful ways. I've seen their ways, but listen to this. I will heal them. This is a word for someone today. This is maybe a word for all of us as just part of the church in Watford. Listen, I have seen your ways, but I will heal you. I've seen you. I see you, but I will heal you. Hallelujah. He says, I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, and the word here is shalom in Hebrew. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord. And I will heal them, hallelujah, for the healing that comes in the presence of God because of his love and his kindness. You see, here in Isaiah 57 and in 40, there's this idea of building up and tearing down. I remember as a 14-year-old cycling around uh, uh, some roadworks in southern, the south side of Norwich where I grew up. And uh, 
And I think I was annoying the people who were running the building site because I kept on just cycling on their nicely level ground. And they, they said, well, are you interested in this project? I said, yeah, I'm interested. So they brought me into a porter cabin and they showed me the plans. And they showed how in order to get a level road from a higher kind of attitude or altitude and then down to where it connected with the existing roads, they had to build up some parts of the valley. But in order to build up some parts of the valley, they lowered some parts of the higher ground. So they kind of cut into the land, took the soil and dumped it in order to create a level path. There's a sense in which here is that part of our response to the word of God today might be that we need to build some things up in prayer. And we might need to take hold of what does that really mean to build up in prayer. But we might need to bring some things down in repentance. That was the message of John the Baptist. That was the message through Isaiah 57. I believe it's the message today. And you know, words like this feel heavy. And listen, if you're uncomfortable with what I say, you don't like it, I, you can always invite me back in 26 years, all right? I can, I, I can wait. It's okay. Honestly, this is difficult. I, w- I would rather in some ways be bringing something less uncomfortable. But let's hear the word of the Lord. He's saying, I- I've got something for you. I want you to be unhindered. And if you don't know what it means, if you don't feel unhindered in your relationship with God, well, maybe today can be a day where you begin to clear the way, begin to clear the road and see what the Lord wants to do. And you think, well, that sounds difficult. And some will say to me, but Tim, isn't there grace? Didn't Jesus accomplish all of that? And of course, we know from John 14, 6, Jesus said, what did he say? I am the way, help me out here, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. He's the way. You think, well, that's, that's fine then, isn't it? He's the way. Isn't it great? Jesus is the way. He's done it all. And the answer is, yes, he, he has done it all. In fact, we are unhindered in our relationship with God only because of the grace of Jesus. Those who are not um, from the Jewish uh, heritage, those who are Gentiles are now grafted in because of the work of Jesus. He has made a way for us. In fact, we'll get to Hebrews 12 again in a moment before we come into land. But in Hebrews chapter 10, this is the same sermon, the same uh, kind of vein of throw of floor. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by, let's read it, a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, and that means Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here we're reminded of the beautiful symbolism of communion, of the Eucharist, and, and the beautiful power of baptism. These things, they remind us of the cleansing and the forgiving of God. So you might say, well, it's fine, Tim. Why don't you just relax a bit? It doesn't really matter. Jesus has made a way. And I'd say, yes, he has made a way. He has made a way. It's 100% about his grace. Can I hear any amens? He's a God of love. He doesn't make anything too difficult for us. He's accomplished it all. However, it seems to me if we flow, flow with the idea that Hebrews brings us, we get to chapter 12 and it seems like we've got some work to do. 
He talks about the father's discipline. He says in verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We don't talk about this nearly enough on, in platforms and in what we read. We don't like the idea of discipline. But here Hebrews is saying this is how God loves us. He loves us enough to discipline us. He says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Verse 14. And this is, this is hard to read, right? He just said that it, Jesus has made a way. But now it seems like there's some things in the way. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone, to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral. Or is God just like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son? Afterwards, as you know, when he went to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he'd done. You, listen to this, and here, instead of being in exile from a physical city, Jerusalem, now something is happening that this is talking about our eternal home. And the language is beautiful. He says, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that's burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them. Verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. So he's made a way. Jesus is the way. But it is beholden on us to clear the way. He says in verse 12 and 13, I'll read it one more time. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. So our way is unhindered. But then there's a question is, is the way unhindered? And maybe this is only for one person here. But there's an invitation here from a loving God who says, come to me, come, come on, come. There are some things in the way. And we need to remove the fallen trees of our idols. They need to be got out of the way. Idols, what's an idol? I don't have one in my house. Uh, what I mean is anything that we turn to that isn't Jesus the, the things we go to first, the things we go to to make ourselves feel better that, that aren't the Lord's. Do you know what? It, those things, that, that's how you know it's an idol. It's where you go to first. Do you know, children are a gift from the Lord. Yes? Most, most parents are like, yeah, I think so. I think so. I've got We've got our, all three of us are, are adults now. Children are a gift from the Lord. But listen, uh, they, they mustn't be worshipped. You go with them to worship the Lord. Some parents get this mixed up and they start worshiping their kids. 
worshipping being a parent. You know, a spouse can be an idol. A job can be an idol. A qualification, a field of study, expertise, a CV, all those things. The things we get worth from, do you know, anything that isn't the Lord, uh, it's time to clear the way. Because it could be hindering our relationship with the Lord. I know this is uncomfortable. I'll move on and sit down soon. Secondly, we need to clear the drains of our hidden sins. I always find these lists like the one we had in Hebrews 12 quite uncomfortable, don't you? Uh, Because usually there's one of the things in the list that at any given time I need to be challenged on. God sees. and He says, I see you, but I want to heal you to remove by his grace wrong relationships. Clear the way. Destructive habits, clear the way. Compromise, clear the way. Sexual immorality, clear the way. Hebrews also mentions bitterness and unforgiveness. And uh, uh, remember, somebody who came to the first service, uh, Becky, she came to see me after the service and she said, I had a picture last night when I was praying and uh, she said, I had this picture of me keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus and having to move things from under my feet that were stopping me getting to him. So like, that's the Lord. Thank you. I'll use that. It seems to be God is speaking. Is we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, but there's stuff around our feet. Let's not pretend it's not there, but let's clear the way. This is a context of God's safe and saving grace. Let's clear the way so that we might keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Hallelujah. God sees and he will heal us. So we need to remove the fallen trees of our idols and clear the drains of our hidden sins. And thirdly, we need to build up our way in prayer. We need to prepare the way. And I, from what I understand, that what God's doing in this church family is like a coming back to the basic need, the simple need to to turn Netflix off, to put phones away, and to gather together and to seek the Lord. What a beautiful, wonderful, simple thing. What what the kind of thing that people do amongst the billions of Christians around the world is simply get together and seek the face of God, isn't that? Uh, I'd someone someone here is is just knows that there's some there's something for you to do in that place of prayer, and I want to encourage you. We need to build up the road so we can make level the path. And as I come into land, I want to just say this to you, and I submit this to your leadership and to you as a church family. I believe that greater things are still to come for for Soul Survivor Watford. I believe whatever you have been through, greater days are still to come. And and between you and the fulfillment of that, between you and the fulfillment of all that God has placed you here for as part of the church in Watford, as part of the church in this nation, now is a time to clear the way, just to kick aside anything that isn't, anything that's getting in the way, anything that isn't where it needs to be, that the Lord would just do something and you clear it away. I know that's uncomfortable, but I think there's great, there's a great loving father saying, come on, come on, come on, come on, draw closer, come and see what I can do. You just need to make level your paths. Hallelujah. So today is very personal. And as I have been preparing this message, I've been doing an audit of my own life to try as best as I can to offer everything to the Lord and say, Lord, anything that's in the way between me and your heavenly glory and your grace, get it out of the way. So it is very personal. 
but it's also corporate, and the Lord has great things. I believe 2024 for Soul Survivor Watford is going to be a year of new visitation of God's presence. May the Lord lead us to make our response. I wonder if the band can come up and we're going to pray. There's a bit of time here and uh, we can pray. Maybe let's put aside distractions. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I want to pray for those at home and for those in this room that nothing of anything I've said would get in the way of what you're saying, Lord. And there's at least one person here. Today is a day of salvation for you. Is that you've heard that Jesus has made a way through the cross and the resurrection for you to have a, a, an unhindered relationship with the God who made you. And there's a call here to be baptized. And I know the baptism's in February, but to talk to one of the team about doing that. Today is a day to make decision, to do in prayer that what you'll do physically through the waters of baptism. So Lord, have your way.